Well, as we go through life, we often experience family and relational pain. Christmas can go from being the most wonderful time of the year to the most difficult time of the year. We're going to look today at God's word and let him speak healing into our relationships. But before we do that, I want to do a little survey, okay? How many of you have loaned something to somebody, okay, and the low-down, no-good, pathetic jerk still has not returned it? Raise your hand if you've experienced that, okay? All right, there you go. Majority of you have had that happen. Now, flip side. Flip side, okay? How many of you low-down, no-good, pathetic jerks have something of somebody else's that they borrowed, they lent to you, and you still haven't returned it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought so. There's fewer in that group, but that's because most of the low-down, no-good jerks go to other churches, but... It's interesting to note that it's far easier to remember those who have done something to us, that's what we talked about last week, than it is for us to remember something we've done to others. Today we're going to examine our hearts and take an inventory and ask ourselves, have we wronged somebody? Somebody we love? Anybody? And are we going to let Jesus teach, teach us how to make it right? In the text we're looking at today, there are three very important life-changing verses that can bring healing where there is relational brokenness. This is what Jesus said. Listen to his words. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Settle them quickly. Can you hear the urgency? There's a sense of urgency in Jesus' words. If you're going to go worship, if you're going to church, and there you remember you've hurt somebody, then we're taught to go and settle the matter quickly. When I was in high school, I was hanging out with some friends, and we had some of those black cat firecrackers, you know, the black cat firecrackers. We had a ton of them, like a couple of bucketfuls of these firecrackers. Now, I am admitting something we did that was really stupid, and I am not saying anyone should ever do this, okay? All right. That's my disclaimer. (laughs) But we were trying to think of different ways to play with firecrackers that were a little more exciting than just lighting them and throwing them and then pow. Oh, cool. We wanted to make it fun. Now, I mean, we had already tried lighting them under the cans and bam, the can goes up. We had already been throwing them over the seawall into the bay and watch the minnows get stunned and float to the surface, you know. There's lots of lizards in Florida. Everybody hates lizards, so we would catch a bunch of lizards and do mean stuff to them. Hey, we were boys with firecrackers, okay? All right. Well, when all that lost some of its luster... We had a brilliant but stupid idea. (laughs) We thought it would be fun to have a firecracker fight. You know, like a miniature grenade fight, okay? We were playing it pretty safe for the first few launches at each other, but 
It took a turn for the worse when my friend Dan was running away from my team. Now, some of you may remember back in the 70s. Oh, I can still picture this. The, the big afro. Okay, I mean, Dan had huge hair. He had this thick, curly hair, and he had an afro. <laughs> well, I threw a firecracker at him, and it caught in that afro right by his ear. First, the burning fuse caused his hair to catch on fire. Then the miniature grenade went off with the deafening pow right by his ear. He screamed. I mean, he thought he was actually a real casualty of war. It was terrifying to all of us. (laughs) The flame in his hair immediately went out, but he didn't know that. And just to make sure, we started yelling what we knew was the thing you yell when your hair or your clothes catch on fire. Does anyone know what you yell when your clothes are on fire? It's three words. Wow, so many of you know that. Did you play with firecrackers too? (laughs) Dan was okay, and after about four hours, his right ear stopped ringing. But man, I sure wish we had a video of him stop dropping and rolling. That was funny. What we're going to do today, rather than stop, drop, and roll, we're going to remember almost the same three words to help us plant God's truth in our heart. Make things right. Jesus is going to teach us the biblical principle of stop, drop, and give. Stop, drop, and give. That's how you remember those. So the first thing Jesus teaches us to do is stop and acknowledge those we've hurt. Acknowledge the fact that we've hurt someone. Now, it's not going to be an easy thing to do because it's much easier to point the finger at other people. But we're going to do the right thing and stop and think through it. Have we hurt someone who is important to us? Let's read what Jesus says again. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that someone has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. Leave it there. In other words, stop. Don't worship. It's not going to do any good anyway. Jesus said, think about the issue at hand. How many of us have ever done this? Maybe you're out at the mall or something, Christmas shopping, and it's just crazy out there. The big rush is on, and you're a little grumpy. You don't feel like socializing. Across the store, you see somebody, that that somebody you really don't want to talk to, okay? And you you, kind of look the other way, and then you casually walk down another aisle, If you're with somebody, you may say, oh, no, there's so-and-so. Hurry up. Let's go down this aisle. (laughs) Okay? You ever done that? How many? I thought so. (laughs) Well, they've probably seen you, too, and they don't want to talk to you either. (laughs) Anyway, it's just interesting how we will avoid people. Well, sometimes in our relationships, we avoid very important issues, just like that. It's amazing, especially around the holidays, when our relational pain becomes increasingly magnified. We can sense it, but oftentimes we just will not deal with it. For instance, in a family, there may be some very obvious walls built between a relative and us, and you know, maybe even a friend. Maybe someone had a little bit too much drink to drink at the 
Christmas gathering 10 years ago, okay, you, you just lost it and told them off. And you can tell the pain is still there. The, the embarrassment is lingering, but you just can't bring yourself to talk about it. Or maybe we get tired of Uncle Freddy's potty mouth around the kids, all right? So out of spite, we didn't invite him to the 4th of July picnic. It really hurt Uncle Freddy's feelings, and even though everybody knows about it, no one wants to talk. We just pretend it's not there. It'll go away. We just turn and go down another aisle to avoid that issue. At Christmas time, we still go into the house because we've learned to play the game. That is, just be polite, talk about surface issues, not about anything that's really there. And basically, deep down, we're saying, I know you don't really like me. I don't really like you that much either. So let's just be polite to each other. Those relationships will stay on hold and never move to a deeper level of intimacy. This could not be what God wants. What's the main problem? Here it is. This may bring some understanding. Generally, we will judge others by one thing. We judge other people by their actions, by what they do or don't do, what they say or don't say. We'll judge other, others by their actions, but when it comes to ourselves, we typically judge ourselves not by our actions, but by our intentions. Why? Because we really know what our heart meant to do. If you borrowed one of my books, let's say, that probably includes about 14 of you, <laughs> and you haven't returned it yet, I will judge you by your actions. You have a book of mine and you have not returned it. But on the flip side, if I borrow a book from you and I haven't returned it yet, I will say my intentions are good. I just keep forgetting about it. You know, I will judge myself by my intentions, but you by your actions. The number one broken down dynamic found in family relationships, the number one, the most common messed up dynamic is that adult children don't feel close to their dads. Why is that? It's because we know in our hearts that the love is there. We know our intentions to love are there. But oftentimes, we just don't know how to express it. So what happens? Our kids judge us by our actions, which is lack of expressing love. George Barna is one of the church experts on demographics and data. And here's one of the most shocking things he found. He said, now, didn't used to be this way, now there are more divorces in evangelical conservative churches among Christians than there are among non-Christians. Why is that? A lot of times in Christian marriages, we're more concerned with the outward appearance than we are with the inward substance. Barna found that these couples slip away from spiritual intimacy in the home. And they move toward tolerance in the home. We avoid conversations that deal with conflict. We think, well, as Christ followers, we should just keep the peace and not bring up anything that could actually cause a little pain. 
And then we become just roommates sharing the house. We just share the bills. That's not the way God wants it. He's going to grab our hearts. He's going to say, stop and acknowledge that you've hurt somebody. Some of us are going to say, you know what? I, I have hurt my friend, my boss, my coworker, my classmate or teacher. I've hurt my spouse, and I'm really sorry about it. You know, marriage is a weird deal, right? Two people madly in love, and then they get married. And all of a sudden, things go crazy, and weird stuff happens. Like if you get into a fight, then you go to bed. There are rules. There's rules here, okay? I don't know who taught us these things, but everybody knows the routine. When you get in bed, you lay back to back. That means one person's facing that way, one person's facing the other way. Okay? It's just what you do. It's in the rules. Then you play the game where you cannot let any part of your body touch the other person. You know how that goes. (laughs) If you do, you lose points. For instance, if your foot accidentally touches your spouse, you yank it back. Oh, no, I lost some points. You know how it goes. The silent treatment is also implemented in the rules. Nobody talks. The first person that talks loses points. You may lose the whole thing. Okay? But then somebody can't stand it. Sarcastically says, well, you're going to act like this for the rest of your life? (laughs) Then it just goes downhill from there, doesn't it? The sad thing is that when we step into that, we both lose Some of us, we're just going to have to stop and acknowledge the fact that we have hurt someone that we love. They're judging us by our actions. We're judging ourselves by our intentions. So here's a tough question I'd like you to ask yourself today. Just sit back and honestly, before God, ask yourself, who is it that I've hurt? Is it a family member? A mom or a dad, a son or a daughter? Is there someone in my church family I've hurt? An ex-spouse maybe that I haven't treated with any kind of respect? Is there someone at work, someone at school? Who is it that I've hurt? A lot of us, if we're really honest, we'd say that we've got family relationships that are at the very least strained. You know something happened somewhere along the way. Maybe you're not really sure what it is. Maybe you did something. Maybe they did something. But you know God wants something better for this relationship. Just consider what you've done to hurt someone. And then you can start thinking about how to make it right. You may be in the wrong. They may be in the wrong. You may not even know who's in the wrong. You know, you could ask them the question, have I wronged you in any way? That question is a little risky. You never know what you're going to hear. But you must know that this could unleash a huge healing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take inventory of our relationships. and We're going to stop, stop everything before we go to the altar, before we act all spiritual, before we pretend like we're following Christ. We're going to stop and acknowledge that we've hurt somebody. Stop, drop, and give. Number two, 
We're going to drop everything to make it right. Listen again to Jesus. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't even give it. Just leave it there. First, go. Go. The song the kids sang, go where I send thee. Go and make it right. Reconcile with that person. Then come and offer your gift. And he says, settle the matter quickly. You can sense that urgency there. Parents or grandparents, if one of your little ones gets hurt, what do you do? Zoom, you're right there. You are there. Lickety split. If your grown children are going through a problem, you drop everything and you go there. I remember years ago when Ashley was about probably four years old, we were in a place called Helen, Georgia. And it's in the mountains of North Georgia and we were eating. We just got done eating. We went outside. It was just starting to get a little bit dark. And we got ahead of Ashley and we yelled, "Come, Ashley, come on. And she took off running toward us. And uh, it was 50 yards away. It was a ways off. And one of those cables that holds up a telephone pole goes down to the ground. She couldn't see it and she just ran smack into it right across her mouth. And, uh, oh, it was, it was horrible. Screaming, blood, Screaming mostly, though. We were there so quick. I think Terry beat me. Just bam, we were there. It was that screaming. Some of you have a relationship where someone is screaming. It may not be audible. Maybe it's a silent scream. The scream where someone on the inside is crying out, I'm trying to hide this but I really need somebody to help. Are we going to just ignore it? Some of us have relationships that over the holidays, we're going to just walk away saying, why the heck can't I deal with this? We're going to pretend forever like everything's okay when we know deep down it's not. Why can't we plow through the pain and find healing on the other side? Why can't we do that? Why are we like this? Why, why do we, don't we just drop everything, including the fear, and make it right? I've had to learn the hard way. I'm still learning. That when I hurt people, and then years later, I still carry the guilt of my actions. That's when I know I need to drop everything and go take care of this. I need to be the one to initiate forgiveness, whether I'm right or wrong. There are those of you here who need to do a similar thing. Maybe you could just pray. God, would you just give me the chance to initiate forgiveness? Pray for something like that. God may just provide a chance for you to make something right. Now, all that being said, let me insert a little thought here, a little side note. It's very important that you hear this. Everybody's got to pay attention here. If you're going to do something, or if if you've got something against somebody, okay, and they don't know about it, maybe it's just thoughts. If they don't know about it, keep it to yourself, okay? If you've been judging them for a long time, you know, she walks in here thinking she knows everything. 
He, think he, he thinks he owes, owns the place, you know, rah, 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 in your mind. Then all of a sudden, God gets a hold of you, and you realize that all that judging has been wrong, and you want to go apologize for being judgmental. Do not do that. Do not do that. All right? You don't go up to somebody and say, you know, for the last eight years, I thought you were a real loser, but you're really not all that bad. Don't do that. If there's something in there that's, that's internalized against someone, don't go create a wound just to put medicine on it. All right? Okay, I hope you got that one. Just take that to God. That's between you and God. But if you have already wounded someone, then stop everything. Acknowledge, I've hurt them, and that's when you drop everything and make it right. So what are we going to do? We're going to free ourselves. We're going to free ourselves from the torment and guilt of unhealthy relationships due to unresolved conflict. Wise King Solomon said it this way. If you've been trapped by what you said, then do this to free yourself. Go and humble yourself. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Do you hear the urgency? Go get it done. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important to drop everything and go make it right? Well, it's because nothing else matters like relationships. Nothing. How are we going to do it? Two biblical principles. First of all, we're going to go do it face to face. Face to face. Do not fax an apology. <laughs> Don't email an apology. If at all possible, do it face to face. Or at least do it through a telephone call where they can hear your tone of voice. Do it face to face or at least voice to voice. Now, there's a couple of things in this that, that you'll want to say. The words are very important. If you're genuinely sorry, then say, I'm sorry. <laughs> say it. Get it out. I'm sorry I hurt you. But then there's a period after that. Okay? Don't add anything else. See, so here's what you're going to be tempted to do. I'm sorry I hurt you, but here's what you did to drive me to act like that. Or, you know, I, I'm sorry that I hurt you, but here's what was going on in my life, and, you know, that's why I did it. Don't do that either. Simply say, I'm sorry I hurt you, period. Period. Not a single thing that resembles an excuse. Just, I'm sorry. Another thing with your words there is, is you ask a question. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I don't deserve it. I'm not requiring anything. I'm just saying I'm sorry I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? I've got a great pastor friend who told me this is called closing the sale. You don't say, I hope one day in your heart you'll find it to forgive me. Don't say that. You really don't even say, do you forgive me? Because maybe they haven't yet. Okay. Ask, will you forgive me? Please, will you forgive me? 
Give them a chance to do it. So we're going to do it face to face. Then the second biblical principle is this. We're going to do our part and then trust God to do the rest. Trust God in this. If you go and try to offer your apology, you may get, let's say, one of three things back at you. First thing you may get is this. Man, I had no idea. I didn't even notice you did that. Hey, don't worry about it. You may get that. Second thing you may get is, hey, I... I I understand, yeah, you did do that, but look, I totally forgive you, totally forgive you. Don't give it a second thought. Third thing you may get, and this is a real possibility, you go to apologize and they go, oh, really? Well, I think the game's over. Do not collect $200. You know, the fat lady has sung, we're done. Our relationship is over. Forget Christmas this year. I may never want to see you again. You may get that. But you need to understand that you cannot control somebody else's reaction. God has given them a free will just like he gave you. They can choose whatever they want. All you can do is own up to your part. And here's what the Bible says. First word is so important. If. If. If it is possible, that means it may not always be possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. After we do our part, we can only trust God to do the rest. Listen again to the urgency in what Jesus said in today's main text. If you're going to the altar of worship and you realize someone has something against you, stop everything Go and make it right with them. Settle the matter quickly. Get her done. So we're going to stop, drop, and the third thing we're going to do is give. We're going to give God everything. Stop, drop, and give. What are we going to give? We're going to give our heart, our gifts, our everything to God. At the end of the text, it says, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come offer your gift unto the Lord. Offer your gift. The Apostle Paul says this about worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now that's how you worship. You offer your entire self to God. Jesus says the same thing, basically. He says, if you love me, If you really worship me, if you love me, you will do as I command. What does he command? Some people ask him once what he thought was the greatest commandment. Jesus said this. He said, it's all about relationships. The most important command is all about relationships. Here's how it goes. It's a two-parter. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with everything you've got. Love God. That's the vertical relationship. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. The horizontal relationships. That's the cross. This is why Jesus has so much passion in this teaching. Because he knows that the evil one is very clever, very deceitful. And that he he wants to destroy what is important to God. Satan loves to steal, 
kill and destroy what is most important to God. And what is most important to God? Your relationships with him and with others. Don't sleep until you've dealt with it. I want to read a story from a pastor who was giving a message on this topic of initiating forgiveness. He said it like this. I had a friend, one of the most unbelievable men I've ever met. He helped me get into ministry when I was 22, and he mentored me in ministry. Great man. Somewhere along the way, he made a bad decision or two, and it cost him dearly. We worked together, and healing was happening in his life, but somewhere along the way again, he did something that hurt me. It's not important what it was, but it hurt me, and so I went to talk to him about it. I've examined it thousands of times over and over again, and I still believe I did the right thing. But I also know that somehow I could have handled it better. When I confronted him on the issue, it took our very strong relationship, our friendship, and put a wedge in it. For months, we didn't talk. One night, I was teaching at a church, and I felt the biggest sense of urgency. My relationship had pretty much been severed with this guy, but I just felt like I had to go do whatever I could to initiate some kind of restoration in the friendship. He says, as I was driving home, talking to my wife about it, I I told her, man, I just have so much pride. Should have gone earlier, but I've got to go now. I've got to do whatever it takes. I got home that night, he said, and heard the worst message on the answer machine that I could have ever heard. My friend's wife had called and could barely get her words out. In between sobs, she said, please come quick. My husband just took his life. I buried my friend, and I'm so stinking mad at him, but I love him so much. I carry daily the guilt that I didn't reach out sooner. That's something I've got to live with for the rest of my life, and there's not a day that goes by that I can do anything to change that. It's one of the darkest points of my life. Listen to this. I make that known to you because I don't want you to experience anything like it. When Jesus speaks on the passage of Scripture we've looked at today, there's urgency in his voice. If you're going to go and worship and you realize that somebody has something against you, that means you're on fire. Your clothes are on fire. Your hair's on fire. Stop, drop, and give. Make it the highest priority in your life. Go Make it right. You may only have one shot. Don't waste it. Christmas is forgiving. And if you and I are going to call ourselves Christ followers, we darn well better be one. We better obey Jesus and follow his commands. His greatest command is all about relationships. His command is for us to love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors as ourselves. We do our part and God does the rest.
Let's pray for God's best in our relationships right now. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you that on Christmas you came to the earth knowing you were going to die all along a horrible death. But you knew it was going to be a sacrificial death. It was going to be the sacrifice for all of our sins. You did the going by coming here. You came to us to initiate forgiveness. We were in our sins. We were all the low lifes that we had become over the years. And you came to initiate forgiveness. Please, Holy Spirit, give us the courage and the strength to go initiate forgiveness where you send us. And we pray this in the forgiving, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.